Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So this is part seven. That means so far, as far as I know, we got one more week to go. Next week, we'll wrap it up and call it a, that's it, an eight-part series. And, but you see, the topic of healing, you could teach every, I could teach every week. You see, because there's some of you, I should say, let's put this way, some of us, maybe when we first started this, this series, you're like, well, that's good. Huh? But then you might have developed something halfway through and said, like, oh, I need to be there on Wednesday nights. Now, some of you, and I'm not hoping for this and not praying for this, maybe two months from now might face some kind of a challenge. And I pray that you're taking this serious. I pray that you're getting a hold of this and getting it in your heart, getting it in your spirit. Get, get, get it so that when, when somebody just goes like this, healing comes out. Amen. Scriptures come out. Amen. And we've been learning some heavy-duty stuff here the past seven weeks. Yes or no? For instance, does God use sickness to teach you a lesson? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Does God put sickness on people to punish them? No. That's not his nature. God is love. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Is it God's will for you to be healed? Yes. Absolutely. Amen? Good. So, let's jump right in. His promise to heal us started when God first revealed himself as healer and continues into eternity. He didn't, I'm going to give you a scripture. It's going to be Exodus chapter 15. He didn't just say it once and that was it. And if you were there that day, you would have got healed. When, when God reveals his nature, then it becomes an established fact from that point forward. He changes not. Amen. Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So when God first introduced himself to Abraham back in Genesis as El Shaddai, the all-sufficient all nourisher, it didn't happen just in Abraham's life. He revealed himself that way. So you today, 10 years from now, million years from now, can still depend on him to be your supplier. When he introduced himself as Jehovah Jireh, he's still Jehovah Jireh. He's still Jehovah the provider. He wasn't just Jehovah the provider then. Are you getting this? Okay. Because some people, you might have been raised in a religious tradition, it's a type of denomination where they told you, you know, he used to do that stuff. Well, what happened? Did he get fired? Did he get demoted? Did his batteries run out? Of course not. Exodus 15, verse 26. He said, Moses is speaking to the people of Israel, but it's God speaking through him. If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, and if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. Say this with me. For I am the Lord who heals you. You take that to the bank. That promise is just as good tonight as it was 3,500 years ago. Now, 
In Hebrew, it says it this way. Ani Adonai Rofeka, I am the Lord that healeth. Healeth. Say that with me. Healeth. Healeth means I'm, I've started then and I'm continuing. And I will always be the Lord God, your healer. Are you catching this? It is in the tense of, grammatically speaking, something that was done and completed in the past, yet continues to have results in the present. He is our healer. He's not just our savior. He is our healer. Now, because of his mercy, because he's compassion, because he is love, he could never allow a time when his children would just be abandoned to sickness and disease as long as his children were on the earth. So, so what do you say? Well, Pastor, I, I know plenty of people that got sick. I know plenty of children that got sick. I know plenty. Yeah, but the, it doesn't mean that the promise is not there. There are people that go to hell. There are people going to hell right now somewhere on the earth. But it doesn't mean that there wasn't made available to them a way out. Are you listening? The promise is there if you'll take a hold of it. The promise of him being our healer is there if you'll take a hold of it. He's never left us without that promise. There's never been a time on the earth since man has been on this earth where God has not made provision for everything that is contrary to his will to be provided for. When he established the garden, remember, always go back to the garden. When he established the garden, everything that man needed was in that garden. Then sin came in, right? Because we know sickness and disease, the open door of opportunity for sickness and disease is what? Sin. So sin came in and wrecked everything. What do you think God was going to do? Well, you deserve it. Now just, just suffer. Have a tough time on this earth. No, of course not. He made available promises that when you and I take advantage of those promises and we'll place our faith in those promises, we obtain relief. Amen? Yes. Psalm 86, 15, but you, O Lord, are God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. Uh, you and I better thank God he is abundant in mercy. You listening to me? Because mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. And you know what all of us deserve here in this room tonight? What we really deserve apart from God is to go to hell. But his mercy stepped in. Psalm 145, verse 8. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Slow to anger. Here it is again. And great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works, over all his works. You know who his works are? That tells me his tender mercies are over me. Okay, following me. Go like this. It's all over me. Thank you. So I think Paul was kind of hinting at this principle when he wrote to the church at Ephesus, and we, to us it's the letter of the Ephesians, uh, chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship. If I am his workmanship, then that means his tender mercies are all over me. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, this is coming full circle back to when we first started the series. One of the main reasons why we have a promise from God for us to be healed when sickness comes upon us is because we have good works that we're supposed to accomplish. And it's very difficult to accomplish great works. It's very difficult to provide service to others. It's very difficult to go and preach the gospel if you're sick. 
And some people do it. Some people do it, you know, when you have have to. I've had plenty of occasions when I wanted to stay home, lay in bed, but I got to be here. So I I just rally myself in faith. Amen? Amen. And just what happens? You just tap into something. You step up here, and it's like it's nothing magical up here, although it feels like it sometimes. You know, I've been, there's been times when I've been in horrible pain. I just push myself in faith. As soon as I step foot on this platform, boom, there it goes. I'm not kidding, and I'm not, there's no reason to make this up. I'm telling you, ask my wife. As many times, I've dragged myself here. Amen? When I have to. When I have to. When I don't have to. But you understand my point. I, I want you to hone in on that because too many people will tolerate sickness and disease because there's really no incentive to get rid of it. You've got nothing to do. Now, come back to this. You remember when, when, when Jesus was preaching in a synagogue he got in Capernaum? He goes right next door to Peter's house. History tells us and archaeology tells us the synagogue in Capernaum was right on the, on, on the water. And right next door was Peter's house. Remember, he was a fisherman. You remember, he went next door. And when he goes next door, he walks in the house. And who's there? Peter's mother-in-law is sick. She's laying on the couch watching television. <laughs> She's got a fever. He went over. He, he didn't touch her. He, he didn't anoint her with oil. He rebuked the fever. Sickness, you have no power here. And the fever left her, and you know what she did next? She got up and served them. She got up and did what? Served them. She had an assignment. Lazarus died too young. Jesus knew Lazarus died too young. So Jesus gets in front of the tomb, says, roll that stone away. Because he always likes us to have a part in the miracle. You think, that, you think he couldn't have went like this and the stone wouldn't have went? Of course he could have. But he always wants us to get involved in it. Why? Because I think it shoves it in the devil's face. Roll the stone away. He rolls the stone away. Lazarus, get out of here. You got stuff to do. And Lazarus comes out and says he's still bound, like many people when they still come into, they get born again, but they're still bound. Isn't it funny that he told the disciples, you loose him and let him go. Now, church history tells us that Lazarus went on to start churches. On the island of Cyprus, when the persecution came in Jerusalem years later, and all the the saints had to leave the area, Lazarus goes to Cyprus. Now, if Lazarus stayed in that tomb, what would have happened in Cyprus? Somebody else might have gotten sent there at some time or another. But it was Lazarus' assignment. You have an assignment on your life. I don't know if we take that serious enough. You've got an assignment on your life. And so you've got no business being sick. You've got no business being bound. You've got no business being addicted. You've got no business being discouraged. You've got no business being oppressed. You've got an assignment on your life. Let me get back over here because I've got to finish this tonight. Psalm 103 is a psalm that's very close to my heart. God has used this in my life tremendously. Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We forget his benefits sometimes. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness, and there it is again, and tender mercies. This is powerful stuff. Now, to understand the depth of this, to understand the depth of the commitment to mankind, we need to consider another point. You see, in order for Psalm 103 to be in force, let's go over this again. Let's go over this again. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So, so the writer of this psalm is speaking to himself, yes? So you know you can do that? I know plenty of us talk to ourselves for useless things. We need to start talking to ourselves what God says, especially if you're prone to. Now, I noticed this for somebody tonight, probably more than one. If you are prone to depression, you're not talking to yourself enough. You're not talking to yourself enough. And if you know that you're prone to that, and there's some people that put certain seasons of the year, and you know, we're coming up to the holidays pretty soon, a lot of people go into depression during the holidays. Maybe it's, it's a hard time. Maybe you lost a loved one during that time. Maybe, maybe, maybe just you have terrible reminders of holidays from when you were a kid, and sometimes subconsciously that stuff will sneak up on you. Now, you'd be the, you know, you think nothing of just comes right out, you know, just down today. I don't know what's going on. I just feel down today. I just don't, you know, just sad. You know, nobody's had it. You know, nobody's had it as bad as me. You know, you know just, you know, if other people knew what I've been through in my life. And so you, what are you starting to do? You're starting to invite that stuff. You're setting your soul up. I think David recognized this stuff, and the writer of the Psalms, other writers of the Psalms, because these Psalms are just what came out of their heart. And these people weren't even born again. And yet out of their soul came some of the things that, that were anointed by God and they've been preserved for us. Bless the Lord, O my soul. See, see, when you get depressed, the last thing you want to do is bless God. And the first thing we should do is bless God. Because he's lifted us out. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. You see, because it's a soul issue. It's not a spirit issue. It's a soul issue. All right? And all that is within me, bless his holy name. And then, and then it's like, he said, no, that wasn't enough. Go back and say it again. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. See, we're, we're keen and very quick to remember the benefits of salvation, but we forget the other benefits that are attached to our salvation. And, they, and, 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 and the devil comes along and makes him controversies. No Christian in any denomination would ever have a problem with salvation. Otherwise, they wouldn't be Christians at all. But there are places, there are groups that would call what we're teaching tonight blasphemy because they forgot all of his benefits. So the devil comes along and goes, yeah, those people are crazy. 
Those people lift their hands. Those people that speak in that language, those people that believe in healing, they're, they're just off. They're not, they're not balanced Christians like you. You're a balanced Christian. And so the things that we need the most here on earth, oh, listen, 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 listen. Thank God for salvation, but we have not experienced anywhere near the full effects of salvation in this life. We experience it when we step over on the other side. So isn't it amazing? The devil has no problem with what we're going to experience on the other side, but he attacks everything that we're supposed to experience here. Divine healing. Oh, that's not for today. That passed away. Says who? Prosperity. Financial blessing. Oh, there you go. Now you're talking about greed. What? It's greed for me to want a house for my family to live in? It's greed for you to want food on your table? It's greed for you to want the basic necessities of clothing and shoes? Yeah, because if you were poor, you'd really glorify God. How? How? Let me ask you this question. You ever see these pictures of people in the countries that worship demons? Huh? Covered with flies? Human excrement all over the streets? Laying in gutters? Let me ask you a question. Does that make you want to go serve their God? Does it? Because if it does, you're sick. So the devil attacks everything that God has made available for us to experience in this life. I don't need prosperity in heaven. I've got no mortgage in heaven. Amen. Got no car payments in heaven. I don't need healing in heaven. Why? There's no sickness in heaven. There's no disease in heaven. There's no broken bones in heaven. You listening to me? There's no depression in heaven. So what does the devil attack? Everything that Jesus died on the cross for you and I to experience here. Now. Amazing. You think we would get a clue? So, somebody had to pay for all this. And that's what I want to concentrate on tonight. Somebody had to pay for Psalm 103 to be in force. Somebody had to pay so that we could state in verse 3, who forgives all your sins or iniquities, bless you, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction. Redeem, that word redeem is a financial term. Somebody paid for Psalm 103 to be in force. Somebody prayed for the healing power of God to be able to come through that. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 53. We've read this, and we've read this, and we've read this, and if you ask the average Christian, well, not average, if you ask the average Bible student, somebody, a Christian who's actually studying the Word of God, what are you basing your trust in God for healing? Normally, Isaiah 53 would be the first one that pops up. Because it was the greatest fulfillment from the Old Testament that Jesus walked in in his ministry. In fact, in Matthew, 20, Matthew chapter 8, it says that he healed people, thus fulfilling the prophet Isaiah, he himself has borne 
all our sickness and disease. So Matthew's gospel, watch this now. Who wrote, who wrote Matthew's gospel? Who wrote Matthew's gospel? Matthew, under whose power? The Holy Spirit. So we could say the Holy Spirit through Matthew writes that Jesus fulfilled Isaiah 53 while he walked on this earth. Let's, 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 let's really pull this apart here. Let's unpack this. Let's really dig into this. Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind. Remember, this is all, I want you to remember this is in the context of somebody paid. So Psalm 103 could be enforced. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted. See, the people that day, if you were there when you saw Jesus carrying that cross through Jerusalem, if you, would have, if you were there when the Romans ripped open his back, when they put that crown of thorns in his skull, you would have said, what kind of criminal is this guy? What has he done to be so punished like this by God? Because the, the, the Jews considered anyone that was either hung in a tree or crucified as cursed of God. Verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us, each, each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord, let me put it to you this way so you understand it better. The Lord in heaven has laid on him, Jesus on earth, the iniquity of us all, all of our sin. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. This is everything that took place at Jesus' trial. Everything. Pilate gave him every opportunity to save himself. He would not take it. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? Nobody. In fact, the week before, they're yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna. That day, crucify him, crucify him. For he was cut off in the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord in heaven, his will to crush him on earth and cause him, Jesus, to suffer. And though the Lord, and though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. He will see his offspring and prolong his life. See, if we were all Jews in here tonight, Torah Jews, Jews that understood Hebrew and read 
the Old Testament, this would have been enough to make you understand who this Jesus is. Because this wording here, though the Lord, God Almighty in heaven, makes his Jesus on earth life an offering for sin. That word that's used there is the exact same word that's used for the animals that were slaughtered in the temple. They would have understood immediately the symbolism, the connection, and they would have recognized this is the lamb whose blood is shed so that our sins in their mind could be covered for another year. In the New Testament, this is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This scripture was recorded by the prophet Isaiah anywhere from 700, I should say it this way, anywhere from 550 to 700 years before Jesus was even born into the earth. The Holy Spirit was telling the people and showing the people and giving them a signpost. When you see this person go through all that you've been described here, you will recognize. Say, well, that could have been applied to anybody. No. The wording would not have been used, the asham of God, the offering for sin. Would have never been used on a human being. He describes the crucifixion 400 years before the Roman Empire even existed. One of the most brutal empires that ever existed. They crushed their opponents without mercy. And we see that in Jesus' life. Isaiah singing into the future is shown by God that this Messiah would be the one that would take upon himself all the sin, all the sickness, all the disease of every human being. And the punishment that would bring us peace with God would be brutally inflicted upon Jesus. You listening? I don't want to get gory here, and it's not, I'm not trying to play on our emotions, but I think we forget what it cost him for you to even have the possibility of being healed. According to Roman law and tradition, his body would have been slashed with a Roman whip made out of leather strips that were studded with, with metal tips and sometimes pieces of broken glass. You, you wouldn't even use that on a dog. His head would be pierced with thorns. His hands and feet would be pierced with nine-inch iron nails. His side would eventually be stabbed with a Roman spear. He would be made to endure death like the lambs. Let me give you this picture. He would be made to endure death like the lambs that God killed to cover Adam and Eve in the garden, slain and skinned in order to cover their shame and their nakedness. See, the Lamb of God doesn't go back to Passover. The Lamb of God goes back to Adam and Eve. Animals were killed. Now, if you follow the rest of the pattern, it had to be lambs because that's exactly what God prescribes all throughout the Bible. He would shed his blood. He would give his, his skin so that we could be covered by his righteousness. And I want you to get this picture here. During Passover, you, cannot, you can't talk about Passover without talking about Jesus. You can't talk about Jesus without talking about Passover. 
Passover existed as a sign to the future. This is what the Messiah would be like. The instruction that they were given, Genesis, excuse me, Exodus chapter 13, chapter 12, chapter 13, of, of literally is a recipe of how to prepare this lamb. And the way they would do this so that a lamb, because it, be, it had to be cooked entirely, wholly. I don't mean wholly with an H, wholly with a WH. Entirely. How are you going to cook something like that with all the intestines and all the organs? and everything? You can't. You can't. And so the lamb would be, this is this, according to Hebrew tradition, the lamb would be split down the middle from here down. The intestines would be taken out. And because everything, even though you don't eat them, everything had to go into the fire. And so the intestines would be taken out and wrapped around the lamb's head. And then, in order to make sure that this is cooked, because you're, you're cooking on an open fire, that lamb would be spread apart, and a crossbar would be inserted in the middle to keep the animal open so that it can cook fully. What a picture. What a picture. I will, when we get to heaven, remind me. I want to sit down with Paul. And I say, I know we got millions of years to talk, but just, just give me this five minutes right now. Paul, what, did, what happened to you when you realized that Jesus was the Passover lamb? Could you imagine the first Passover after Saul gets born again? And he goes to, to the Seder dinner, maybe with his family, maybe with other leaders and, and wherever he was, and he sees that lamb on the spit with the crown of thorns, the intestines wrapped around its head, ro rotating in the fire. And we know fire, fire is a symbol of God's judgment. And, and, the, and the scriptures tell us it, you, it, whatever is left over must be burned before morning. Nothing, everything. Jesus had to suffer all of the judgment of God on your behalf, on my behalf, so that we could say, Father, you said in Psalm 103 that you forgive all of my iniquities and you heal all of my diseases. Father, you said in Isaiah 53 that by his wounds I am healed. But listen to me. Those scriptures only have power and those scriptures only have anointing. And those scriptures only have the ability to bring healing to you because somebody paid to turn the switch on. In the Old Testament, they were promises someday, someday, someday. Well, the day came when he came and turned on the switch by his blood. Now, we don't look for someday. Please get this phrase out of your vocabulary. Do not say, I know someday God is going to heal me. That day will never come. Well, pastor, what do you mean? No, no. We receive what has already been done. If you're looking for healing to come in the future, then you are saying that it was not completed and not done. We don't go around saying, I know someday God's going to save me, and I'm going to experience salvation. No, Paul says today 
is the day of salvation. Stand up. We're going to sing that song again. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.